Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This episode of Silent Giants is brought to you by Ali. Ali, powered by Verizon locations, are developed by Verizon, the world's leading technology company. In collaboration with Alley, a membership-only community workspace for creators. Each location is a community curated powered by the emerging technologies and thought leadership of Verizon. With Alley, Verizon is bridging the gap between startup and corporation by helping the community workspace build next-level ecosystems for entrepreneurs. Now, on to my episode with Dick Zimmerman. Welcome to the Silent Giants Podcast, a podcast highlighting the superstars behind your favorite superstars in creative industries. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at Silent Giants Podcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at Corey Cambridge. For the 35th anniversary of Michael Jackson's thriller, we are interviewing the Silent Giants who played a vital role in helping make the album the greatest selling album of all time. This week's Silent Giant is Dick Zimmerman, the photographer who shot the iconic Thriller album cover. In this episode, Dick calls into the podcast to chat about his early life growing up in New York City, how he began his career as a photographer, and the making of that iconic Thriller album cover. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the photographer, my friend, the Silent Giant, Dick Zimmerman. Hello. Mr. Zimmerman. Yes. Mr. Zimmerman, what a, what a pleasure to have you on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me today. Uh, totally fine. My pleasure. Uh, please, please just call me Dick, okay? Dick, Dick. Uh, now, now, we're, now we're old friends. Okay, good. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, Dick, where, where are you from uh, exactly? Uh, I'm uh, born, born and raised in uh, Manhattan. Uh, actually, uh, Brooklyn for a very short time. Brooklyn, New York. Uh, where, where about and Brooklyn? And Manhattan. Where about Brooklyn? Uh, I, you know, I was very young, and it's. It, I was told it was the Bed Stuy area, and which it, I was told, uh, which I was told when I was uh, very young, uh, and lived there, uh, that it was quite a nice place to live. You know what? I live there now. And. Uh, you live there now? I live there now. It is a very nice place to live. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, okay. I've, I've been in Bed-Stuy for, for six years now. Oh, okay. Uh, evidently, I heard that uh, I had an opportunity a number of years ago. I went back to see where I came from, 
And uh, the building, actually, that uh, I was raised in, uh, one of these brownstones, was for sale. And this is probably now 25 years ago. And uh, I wish I w would have bought it because I think uh, things have changed. Oh, for sure. What was your childhood like growing up uh, here in New York City? In Brooklyn or in, New York, in Manhattan? In Brooklyn and Manhattan. Well, Brooklyn, uh, you know, I, I was uh, eight years, uh, no, sorry, I was seven years old when I left. And, uh, you know, I don't remember uh, too much uh, other than the fact that when I was about five, my father started to take me to museums and, uh, and turn me on to culture, you know, aesthetics and culture. And, um, and uh, I... Uh, Remember uh, when I was very young, I played a lot of baseball when I was like around seven, eight as well. But I started painting at seven years old as well. Piano lessons, all, all of that, and baseball thrown in, you know. Um, and uh, it, was, it seemed like it was a pretty good uh, childhood. I didn't have, I don't remember any uh, terrible times. And, uh, and then we moved into Manhattan and... Uh, and that's when I guess I started to really get thrown into the culture industry. Was your first love uh, a painting? Yeah. I, yeah, it was. And uh, the first painting I did was of my father. You know, I wish I knew where that painting was. But um, uh, I started uh, at seven, and I got the bug uh, when I was in a school and I went and I, I brought this painting of my father into uh, the art teacher and uh, I went out to lunch and as I was coming back, uh, there was a big crowd in the hallway and I was wondering what, what were they doing, you know, hanging out, all these people, uh, and they were looking at something and when I was out to lunch, uh, my teacher actually put the uh, painting of my father in this uh, glass case in the hallway. And, uh, and as I was, of course, understanding that it was my piece, uh, people also recognized me and said, oh, that's the guy, that's the guy, you know. And, of course, that was my first taste of uh, any validation. And uh, I think that's when it probably hit me to, to that's exactly what I want to do, so... Now, did you always, uh, even from an early age, know that you wanted to pursue a career in the arts? Uh, well, of course, when you, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't know really what you want to do. Uh, but when my father started to take me to museums, at probably five years old, uh, I, you know, started to get, get the bug, you know. Uh, the first painting that he... Uh, used to take me to was at the Metropolitan Museum, and it was uh, a Salvador Dali uh, painting uh, Crucifixion. This huge painting, tall painting. Um, and, uh, you know, later on in life, I used to go back and just sit in front of this piece and stare at it. And, and then the, the most amazing thing happened, of course, many years ago, uh, well, not... 1973, uh, I received a phone call from uh, Gala, Dolly's wife, and uh, she commissioned me, or they commissioned me, 
to uh, do their 50th wedding anniversary portrait. No, uh, wait, wait, how did and, you, uh, how'd they know about you? Uh, I really don't know. I was living in London at the time, and uh, I think they might have found me through a magazine or Grapevine or whatever. I was pretty known, well known as uh, an art director and photographer and painter at that point. So I had a pretty good reputation in London uh, at that particular time, and and, uh, they called me. So you never know how people find you, but it was a great, great time and uh, an amazing time because, uh, as I said, I grew up on Dolly, and here I was commissioned by Dolly. And how, how old are you at this point? Uh, let's see if I, well, you know, it's 1973. <laughs> so, so if I tell you how old we'll figure it out. And, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, that I was in my, uh, probably about 30. Okay. Okay. Cause did you go to college here in New York as well? Yeah. I went to, uh, school of visual arts. I went to Parsons school of design I went to, I studied at the Brooklyn Museum with two of the top portrait artists, the Sawyer Brothers, and I got my Bachelor of Arts degree at NYU. Wow, wow. I mean, because I think that's one thing that makes New York City a very special place or any metropolitan area. This just happens to be the, you know, the biggest metropolitan area. How did, like, being in New York in this environment kind of set you up um, for your career early on? Yeah, well, the thing is that uh, basically when I graduated uh, college, um, my intention was to get myself a loft in Soho and just paint. That's primarily what I wanted to do. Um, At the time, I was engaged to be married, and also someone that I graduated with asked me what I was going to do. And I said, oh, I'm going to get a loft and paint. And, you know, and they said, well, you sure you're getting married. You sure you want to do that? You know, uh, because of, uh, you know, starting out, starving artists, all of this stuff. And, uh, and I thought about it and I said, well, geez, you know, maybe, maybe this person's right. And so what I did is, uh, I went into graphics, um, at that point. And in a very short time, I became the youngest art director, magazine art director, uh, in Manhattan. They called me the whiz kid at that particular time. And I wound up doing designing uh, seven magazines. uh, And also the last one I did was McCall's magazine at the age of 27, which was way by far the youngest art director uh, ever to do that magazine. I think the youngest uh, previous to that was about 52 years old. And then I was kind of disappointed with the way New York was in the late 60s. And uh, I decided, well, I'm going to go somewhere where it's creative. And I took myself to London. And when I got to London, don't ask me how they found out about me there, but they contacted me and asked me to uh, art direct and redesign a British Brides magazine. And uh, I agreed to do that for uh, a bigger sum of money than the normal 
uh, Brit was getting at the time, and uh, under the conditions that I also uh, get paid extra for every fashion uh, page that I also shoot myself, which I I did, and uh, learned uh, learned photography uh, very well at that point, and uh, yeah, cause, wanted to because how, how did how did, how did well, sorry to cut you off how did photography uh, kind of creep into your your repertoire? Okay, well, well, basically, I realized uh, at a certain point that uh, because um, subjects don't sit for painters anymore that in order to make my paintings better, I had to be more familiar with photography and getting the most out of a photograph because obviously uh, that's what I used uh, as reference for my painting. And, and so what basically happened is uh, after I left London and I went, I continued photography, I went to Los Angeles, uh, which I was there for many years, I was basically only doing photography, celebrity, celebrities, and I became, uh, I guess within about a year, the top celebrity photographer in Los Angeles. And of course, that's how I met Michael and a lot of other big stars. Explain the story to me of like, in a little more detail of, you know, you leave London, and what gave you the idea mm-hmm. to go to Los Angeles? Well, basically, I always had kind of a, an interest, uh, and I was curious about uh, L.A., and I didn't want to go back to New York uh, from London, because I came from New York, and I grew up in New York, and I wanted to go somewhere else, and I was also looking for a warmer climate, um, and so uh, I had this uh, terrific fashion portfolio that I had put together in London, and uh, Immediately uh, when I uh, got to L.A., I uh, started to get uh, work, uh, magazine covers, like pretty pretty quickly. And, and how did how did you find, how did you find work uh, so quickly? Like, what were the steps you took to, to make that happen? Well, uh, I found myself uh, an agent uh, very quickly, and the agent got me work very quickly, taking my work around. That's how you do it, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it all happened very, very fast, and it got to a point where uh, it happened so fast that I, frankly, uh, couldn't get away uh, from photography. I wanted to get back to painting, and uh, I wound up uh, being a photographer for a lot longer than I wanted to. And so, what were the but, what were the first like early on? Uh, jobs you were placed on, like as far as celebrity photography. Do you, you remember the first one? I, I, I remember the, the first cover, the first magazine cover I ever did was, I used to do right at the beginning a lot of TV guide covers. And I remember the show The Waltons uh, was like the first cover I ever did. Um, and then right after that, I was doing just about every cover. Uh, you know, Us magazines, People, uh, you know, all of that. And, of course, I was doing a, a lot of album covers. I probably have done a thousand album covers, without exaggeration. You know, I was like the top uh, album guy for quite a, quite a long time as well. How did that opportunity come about for you to start doing album covers? L.A. is a word-of-mouth town. 
And uh, when a new guy comes into town, and I was a new guy, and my portfolio actually uh, was was a European portfolio. And when I came to L.A., they were very behind times uh, when it when it came to photography. It was like old school photography. And this is 1974, okay? And uh, they were obviously looking for something new, and I created, I had an idea. Uh, I was the first one to start taking celebrities and making them into fashion models. And, uh, and magazines started to use them on covers. Now, I think every, just about every cover is a celebrity. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's Vogue, whether it's Vogue, Bizarre, Shape Magazine, whatever. They were not using celebrities for these magazines back then. They were using models. And who were who the, the first uh, couple of celebrities that you had um, on the cover of these magazines? Uh, the first one uh, I remember was the, the actress. She was one of Charlie's Angels. Jacqueline, Jacqueline Smith. There we go. Okay. Was the first uh, was the first uh, celebrity I did for a magazine cover back then. Yeah, and then I it was just one after another. You know, once that caught on, uh, that's all celebrities really wanted to do. And I kept getting phone calls from their managers uh, and publicists uh, because the style that I you know was giving them was very uh, was very a high fashion. European look, and they were not used to that. Uh, the the kind of photographs that celebrities were doing back then was was kind of uh, very conservative, old lighting. There was a um, photographer, Harry Langdon, I remember, who was like very old school, and he was like the top guy uh, when I got there. Immediately, I started to get a lot of his people started to come to me, and it just mushroomed from there. And so as far as music goes, like what was the, like the first big cover that you remember, uh, remember doing, like your first big job that you were like, wow, this album is huge and that's my photography? Oh, man, there, there, there were so many. I mean, I did all, like, I remember the Village People, I did all their covers. Um, and, uh, gee, I can't, I, I really, there were just tons and tons of them. And, and also what I also... Uh, uh, they were sending over a lot of uh, people, uh, country people uh, from Nashville coming to, they were sending them to L.A. for crossover images. And uh, and I wound up getting a reputation as an image maker, or the image maker. And I was doing packages for, for, for uh, artists uh, where I would uh, do the photo session. I would uh, direct a video for them. I would create a, a whole new look for them. Um, but but so many. Uh, Billy Idol. Wow. Uh, I did a few of his covers. The Pointer Sisters. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's so many. Of course, and Michael. You know, I worked with Michael three times. Uh, created two album covers with him. And, and uh, I also... Uh, they asked me, Michael and Lisa, when they got married, asked me to uh, create their uh, exclusive wedding uh, portraits. Was their first job with Michael uh, Thriller? Yes, Thriller was the first one. Now, yeah, yeah. The, going into 
How did you know that you were going to get placed on this job? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, basically, uh, I got a phone call from uh, this uh, manager, Michael's manager, Freddie the Man. That's his name. Uh, he asked me to come in to see my portfolio, uh, and there were two or three other photographers uh, that were up for the same assignment. And uh, he said, well, the next phase uh, will be uh, Michael. We're going to let Michael decide who he wants to work with. So uh, we had an appointment, and uh, Michael came to my studio and uh, to see my portfolio and to talk to me and to see whether or not he would get on with me and if I was the right temperament for him. And, uh, and, and what, was he, what was Michael like when, and, he, when he walked in? Well, it's interesting because uh, I never really answered the door, but of course I, I knew that Michael was coming and I didn't want to be, uh, you know, aloof or anything. I was who I was. I was kind of a real person anyway. So I answered the door and Michael was there alone. He didn't bring anybody at that time. And uh, him and I went up into my office, into my loft, and uh, and we talked. And uh, I showed him my work, and we spent probably three hours uh, talking about life and and uh, all his likes, dislikes, my likes, dislikes, and we we obviously hit it off. And uh, he was a very sweet, very sweet kid. I say kid because he sort of came off like that, and. And very, very um, fragile, uh, and he spoke very, very slowly and very low. Just, uh, I liked him immediately. I, uh, I thought that he was not any pretense, and he was very outspoken uh, as far as uh, whatever he felt like about himself or his likes and dislikes. And he was very straightforward in, in discussing them with me, you know. And he asked me a lot of questions. Uh, you know, how I felt about the next generation and what my viewpoint was on art and things like that, you know. And then uh, he left, and uh, there was a second meeting that we had. Okay. And the second meeting uh, was at the studio where he was recording Thriller. And I went over there uh, myself, and I did uh, bring my portfolio as well because he wanted me to meet uh, Quincy Jones. Evidently, I mean, he was very friendly with Quincy. They were very good pals, and he wanted Quincy to have an opinion, you know, of uh, who, who he wanted, you know, to use. Do you remember who was at the studio? Was it just him and Quincy, or was there other folks there? No, I only met, uh, well, there was the engineer and and so on, and uh, there were, uh, I think, uh, a publicist there. I think his manager, yeah, Freddie was there, uh, and uh, Quincy, and me, and uh, and I, you know, went through the portfolio inside the uh, room, the engineer's room, the recording uh, se- session area, you know. And it wasn't a long meeting uh, because Michael was, as I say, he was in the middle of of working on one of the tracks. Uh, I was probably there for, oh, I don't know, maybe only a half an hour. 
and Quincy went through the portfolio pretty quickly and uh, and thanked me for coming and and I, and I left. And uh, there was no confirmation uh, that I was the one that's chosen at that time. So I left and, and that was okay, you know. Um, now you have to remember back then, uh, Michael, the, uh, the last album that he had completed was off the wall and, you know, he was well known, but he was not a superstar or anything like that. You right. Know? Cause you mentioned that he showed uh, up to, that he showed up to your studio the first time by himself. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. did he, did he drive there? Uh, I didn't even notice. I was, I just answered the door. So I, I didn't know. I, I have a feeling that someone drove him, but I have a feeling that the someone was waiting in the car. Okay. Okay. But, the, but, the, but the someone waited in the car for about three hours. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, uh, anyway, so that was the end of the second meeting. Um, and then, uh, I would say that, oh, it must've been about a week later. Uh, where I received a phone call from Sony Records. And uh, they asked me to come up uh, to have a meeting. And uh, I went up there and they said that uh, Michael wanted me to do the album. In that studio session, did you hear any songs at the, at, in, in the studio? And not at, no, not at that time. Okay. Uh, you, mean, well, you mean when I did the photos? Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Session. Yeah, so when you when you went to meet had the second when meeting and it was him and Quincy and they were in the studio, were there any songs no. playing at that time? No, they took a break uh, because we were, you know, they were looking at my portfolio. Okay, okay, uh, and that's why I was only there only there for a very short time uh, because uh, you know they were in the middle of recording. When you got the phone call from Sony, tell me a little more about the story of of, of how you. Mm-hmm how you got the job officially. There's nothing really to tell. Like they called me and asked me to come up for a meeting. And, uh, I went up there and they said, well, listen, Michael has chosen you to do the thriller album. And, 
I must tell you that at that particular time, it was no major deal. You know, it wasn't where I went crazy and said, oh, wow, that's amazing. You know, uh, because I was doing a lot of work for a lot of celebrities. And uh, and like I said, Michael was not a big, big star at that time. But but I was happy to do it. Uh, and so uh, we basically talked about concept. Uh, the art directors up at Sony. I had a meeting. I think I had two meetings uh, up at Sony with the art directors. And uh, it was, I remember, a big uh, exaggeration on, they always sort of exaggerate what what they want you to do. And, and what came out of it actually was that I basically ignored uh, everything that we talked about uh, because when Michael, uh, got to my studio the day of the shooting, Michael and I just put our heads together and we decided to just wing it and, uh, and to just shoot it, you know, just, just have some fun and, and just play around and shoot anything, you know, experiment. Wow, did, and that's what we did. What was the, what was the shoot like? Um, well, it was, it was a very interesting day actually, because like I said, Michael and I now knew each other from having met at my studio and also at the recording studio. So he felt really comfortable around me. And, uh, and I said, you know, when Michael got there, I said, look, I had two meetings up at Sony, uh, and they wanted to do this and they wanted to do that. And Michael just kind of looked at me and he said, you know, Dick, let's just, you and I just have some fun and create this thing. And I said, that's the same viewpoint I have. So let's just do that. So basically, the first thing we did, and of course I had, do you know what a stylist is? Yes. Uh, a stylist basically goes out and gets wardrobe for the, for the client, you know. And so this particular stylist went out and, and got two big, big racks of, of clothing. And... Uh, and the first thing, of course, we did was uh, we let Michael go over all, all the wardrobe and pick out what he, you know, wanted to be photographed in. And he he did. He went over everything, and uh, and all of a sudden, panic <laughs> panic set in with uh, with the stylist and with me because uh, Michael didn't like anything that was on the rack. And then he said to me, he said. Um, do you have anything like that? And he pointed to the white suit that I was wearing. And I said, uh, no, uh, no, we don't have anything here like that. But, you know, you and I are, are the same height. He was just about the same height as me. I said, but if you want to wear the suit, you're welcome to it. And he said, oh, great, you know. <laughs> Wait, he took your so, suit? Yeah. So I changed my clothes. I put on something from the rack, uh, and uh, Michael put on my suit. Okay. Do you remember where did you get this suit? <laughs> it was just my suit. It was just a suit that I had purchased in Los Angeles, uh, and it wasn't a new suit. It was a suit that I probably had for a couple of years. Wow. You know? uh, and uh, but he liked it, and. Uh, so he he did pick something to wear under the suit. It was like a black uh, top, V-neck top or something. And uh, and then we used the suit 
uh, and only the suit. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There was uh, a change. We did make a change, but, um, but we did a lot with that particular suit. And, uh, and of course, the suit is what wound up to be the cover, the white suit. A few years later, after the album became iconic, uh, well, as soon as it started to become iconic, I stopped wearing my suit. And I said, you know, uh, I need to uh, preserve this suit because, you know, it's iconic now. And so I had it uh, put into a plexiglass box and, uh, and I had the box on my wall in my home uh, hanging on my wall. And, uh, and then one day, I guess it must have been about uh, three years after uh, the album uh, came out, uh, I got a phone call from um, Celebes uh, Auction House, and they wanted to know whether or not I would be interested in uh, uh, auctioning the suit. And uh, and at that time, I was living in a, a new house, uh, and. I was a little concerned, actually, with the safety of uh, my wife at the time because the suit was starting to, I guess, possibly be worth some money. And uh, and so I actually agreed for safety reasons. I said, okay, well, let's auction it off. That's fine. Uh, and we did. But, um, but, but after the album we, came out, you were still wearing the suit. Yeah, after the album cu- came out, I was still wearing the suit. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah, I, I I was I was probably I was probably wearing it for a good year after the album came out. Did people stop you uh, and say, "Wow, your suit looks like the Thriller suit"? <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. You 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 really you couldn't tell. You know, I mean, when you photograph something, it has a totally different look. Anyway, you know. How did the tiger come about being a part of the shoot? Uh, ba- basically, when Michael and I put our heads together. Actually, uh, that particular day, Michael said, you know, uh, and this is after we were shooting a while. He said, uh, you know, I just, I had this, uh, idea, uh, that maybe we could bring uh, a tiger. I love little tigers. And so I had the, the, uh, stylist run out very quickly and, and she went out to a, a place that rents animals and we got a couple of little tiger cubs. We brought them in and used them for a while and used them for the inside. I remember I put the tiger on Michael's knee and, uh, and we shot around it. And, and uh, there, was one, there was one photograph uh, I remember, which was an alternate. Oh, as a matter of fact, there was an alternate to that cover that I did with the tiger. And on the, I think it was the 25th anniversary cover, if you look it up, you'll you'll see that they did a different cover. One of one of my photographs of Michael and uh, Tiger Cub. What went into like the lighting? Like, what type of, like, of camera did you use, or like some of the technical I used aspects? The, I, I, I used the I used the Hasselblad uh, two and a uh, two and a quarter by two and a quarter. Okay. Camera and it, and at that time it was film, not digital. Okay. Nobody knew nobody knew anything about digital at that time. And so. Once, uh, how, how long did the shoot last uh, for the album cover? All, all, all day. Michael was there all day. I guess he got, he arrived at uh, 
I'd say probably uh, 10. And uh, we went on till about six or seven, something like that. And was he the only person? Did he come with any other people for the shoot? He, he, yeah, he came with uh, um, a publicist. Uh, and he came with one other fellow who actually stood on the side while I uh, was photographing Michael. And he had a, a clicker. Uh, in his hand, and he clicked uh, to cut, to count every image uh, that I was taking. Well, why, why would he do that? Just to, Michael was very thorough. Uh, uh, he was very professional, and he, uh, I guess, he wanted to know exactly uh, that he had uh, all the pictures. Ah, got you, got you. Okay, and so uh, when the shoot was done. Like how how did the shoot mm-hmm. how did the shoot end like in, in itself? <laughs> it, it it ended by uh, ending. <laughs> we decided that uh, we did enough. Uh, Michael did enough dancing in the studio, enough enough breaks. He uh, he I had a I had a big mirror, a big wall wall to wall mirror. And Michael, in between uh, breaks, he would take breaks and he would practice his, his dancing, his moves, his moonwalk. Uh, I was probably the first person that saw the moonwalk. Yeah, for the first time, he was, he was working it out. And, uh, and other moves, you know. Because so, was, was he playing any music, like, of his own music or the album during the shoot? No, uh, no, we didn't, uh, we didn't play any, any of his music. No, we had other music playing in the background. What 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 songs uh, were being played? Do you, do you remember? No idea. No idea. It was it was just basically uh, different albums that that my assistant would put on. You know, one of my assistants. Um, and uh, no, I can't I can't remember back then. <laughs> it was just just music. But it was it was fun uh, because I do have some images in my head. Of, of watching Michael uh, do some of the moves that I was pretty amazed by because I had never seen anybody move like that before. And how long did it take for you to de- develop all the pictures? I think I, you know, processed them the next day. And then I met, I went to meet Michael over at the recording studio. What was interesting is that I brought my light table at the time, a table where you look at transparencies with me. And uh, I spread out all my favorite images, and Michael came out. Uh, I was in the, uh, I didn't uh, go inside the recording studio at this time. I was, I was outside in the office. And Michael came out and, and looked at the uh, light table with all the images, and he, he said, oh, my God. He said, I can't, how am I going to select anything? I mean, I, they're all so good, you know. And he said, oh, just a minute. And he, go, he ran into the recording studio and came out a couple of minutes later with Quincy. And uh, he said, Quincy, p- pick your favorite. And I, I got to tell you, man, that within, oh, a minute, and I'm not exaggerating, within a minute, Quincy looked down and he pointed to the album cover. And he said, that's the one, Michael. Wow, cause and it, that's how it was. That's how it was. That's how it was chosen. And, and how many images did 
uh, was he looking at on this on this table? Uh, I, I'd say probably thirty-five. Out of thirty-five images in one minute, he picked the album cover. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So, so what? What's the next step? So, once you once the, the album cover is selected, like, what's the next step that you take uh, as as the the art director or the photographer for the shoot? Uh, basically, uh, you know, I worked up, I, I worked up a, a comp, a, a design because they wanted me to also, uh, work on the initial design and, uh, and I sent the design over, uh, with the originals, you know, and the, and the original, which was mounted separately. Uh, and, uh, that's, that's the last I saw of it until the cover came out. Which, which was, which was uh, how much time do you think? I'm guessing it must've been about, uh, about a month where they sent me a, a copy of, of what it was going to look like with the, with the logo thriller on it. Uh, maybe, maybe a little longer because there was also, uh, uh the inside, uh, cover and the back cover and all that stuff. So, but but I think they they worked on it uh, pretty quickly. So it was probably about a month. Did you have any inkling um, at all uh, how <laughs> big this album was going to be? Not a not a clue. Not a not a clue at all. How how, how could you tell? Really, first of all, I uh, had never heard the music. Um, you know, and, and at that point they were working on the first videos because uh, they had planned to release, I guess, to release the album with the first video. Um, so I had no, I had no clue at all, you know, um, did, did it feel, did it feel more kind of routine of like, this is just how the normal process, yeah. of, uh, it just felt more like a, it just felt more like a routine thing. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it was routine. I'll tell you what happened. Shortly uh, after, there was a, a a vegan restaurant that I. What I forgot to tell you is that uh, I ate there a couple of times. And one time I was there, I actually saw Michael eating in the restaurant. And this is before I ever met him. Uh, and uh, so I visited the the restaurant off and on. And I guess about, oh, six months after the album was released, I, uh, and my wife and I were having lunch. We decided to have lunch there and, uh, online, believe it or not. And I know that's going to be hard to believe, but waiting online outside the restaurant, cause it's a very popular restaurant was Michael. And, uh, now remember this is six months after the album came out. So it's kind of interesting. I didn't say hello uh, to him at, at the time, but as we got into the restaurant, I, uh, he saw me, I saw him, and I, we went over to each other, and, uh, and I you know, said hello, shook his hand, blah, 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 gave him a hug, you know, all that stuff. And uh, he went and he sat on one particular side of the restaurant, as all the way in the back somewhere on the right side. I was all the way on the left uh, with my wife and we're eating and uh all of a sudden there's like a little tap on my shoulder right basically what happened was uh michael was leaving the restaurant 
after he finished eating. And he came, he went out of his way to come over to me and he said, tapped me on my shoulder and he said, I want to thank you. I haven't, I didn't thank you uh, at the door, but I really want to thank you for creating this incredible album for me. Um, and I was really touched by that. It was actually an emotional time at that time for me because I knew what that really meant uh, for him and for him to, to be so uncool as, as Hollywood is, you know, they be, they, they're so cool in restaurants and they give you a little wink if they're leaving or whatever, but he came all the way to the other side of the, the restaurant to, to thank me. And I thought that was really nice of him. You know, it gives you some, uh, look into what type of individual he was and, and what kind of a caring, uh, individual he was. And yeah, Dick, was there a moment that you realized, pardon my language, but like, oh shit, <laughs> like this is really big. Um, yeah, that's, the, that's when I decided to put my white suit in a plastic container. <laughs> <laughs> like what, what, what part, at what point did you realize, like, was there a specific moment, uh, during the rollout of the album where you went, this is insane. It's a, it, I, I would say, uh, I guess about four months into it. Uh, I started to, because they were promoting the hell out of it and things like that. And the music was out and I said, wow, this is, this could be a big album. <laughs> uh, you know, this, this sounds like it's, uh, I mean, at that point it was, climbing the charts really quick. I think it was even like number one immediately, something like that. And, uh, and I said, wow, this could, this could really be, you know, a big thing. And, and it was, it was bigger than, listen, it was bigger than I ever expected. Even when I thought it might go somewhere, uh, bigger than anybody ever expected. And how did, how did uh, doing this, this album, this iconic album cover, you know, the best-selling album cover of all time. How did this change your, your life or your career from, from, from that point? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you what really changed it. Um, my publicist, uh, after it came out, because, listen, the industry doesn't really know who, who does what in, unless you publicize it, you know. And my publicist had an idea, and he said, listen, I have an idea I, I'd like you to do. And I, I was... Uh, I had a big name uh, at the time, and I was working all the time, but people didn't know I did that particular album. He said, I have an idea for a full-page ad that I'd like you to do in Variety. Uh, Variety is the showbiz mag. And he said, uh, I'd like you to, uh, to do a photograph uh, of yourself, have somebody do a photograph of yourself, uh, wearing the white suit, uh, that Michael wore and in the same position as Michael was on the album. And, uh, instead of a, a tiger cub on your knee, uh, you can hold the camera that you shot it with. And instead of a handkerchief in your pocket, you can put a roll of film. Your handkerchief was yellow. The roll of film was yellow. Yeah. And, uh, and basically, uh, the text for the ad was that uh, I was thanking Michael uh, for me to be, to contribute to his thriller phenomena. 
That's what the exact words were. And when that came out in Variety, uh, I never stopped working. It was a crazy, crazy time. Uh, everybody wanted me to, to do their album cover or photographs or whatever. And uh, that put me to number one, like immediately. And I, I never looked back. It was a crazy time. Wow. And, and, and Dick, what would you say to Michael if you could talk to him, you know, right now? Is there anything you, you would want to say? Um, <laughs> uh, boy, I tell you, I'd just like to give him a big hug, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if you saw an interview that I did on Dr. Drew. No, I didn't. Uh, you should Google it. Uh, it's an interview I did a couple of years ago uh, where I was defending Michael uh, for, you know, for the media getting down on him and causing him to basically take drugs and, and probably killing him. And watch, watch that uh, interview Dr. Drew, Dick Zimmerman, Michael Jackson, whatever it was called, you'll find it. Uh, and a lot of what I say in that, because I did prepare a speech, uh, that's probably what I would have liked to have said to Michael if he was alive. Wow. Well, Dick, I want to say thank you so much for being a part uh, of this very, very, very special series. And, you know, thank you once again for... Uh, contributing so much to popular culture. Any person that works with Michael Jackson, they are the Michael Jackson of their field because um, he's not going to work with anyone not on his level. No. Um, no, no, no. He was, the, he was the ultimate professional. I mean the ultimate. I've never, I've never worked with anybody that was so professional. When you have some time, you could call me back and I'll tell you the story of uh, working with him, creating the portraits of Lisa Marie and Michael when they got married, and also the album cover that I created for Steven Spielberg uh, when Michael narrated the E.T. album. Wow. That was the other time I worked with the other time I worked with him. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, I do actually have to run myself. Uh, so, uh, but I'm willing to uh, continue this at a certain time. So. Mr. Dick, thank you so much for being a part of the show. I definitely will give you a call back again uh, for sure. That's totally fine. Uh, okay, very cool. Take care. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to the Silent Giants behind this episode of the Silent Giants podcast. This episode has been mixed by Mark Bird of MBM Studios, located in Astoria, Queens, NYC's number one recording studio for music, podcasting, and other audio recordings. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at MBM Studios NYC. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off till next time.